Welcome to another episode of Ed's Up, sponsored by the Southern Early Childhood Association. Ed's Up is a podcast all about children and those that care for them. Hosted by Dr. Kathy Grace and Dr. Kenya Wolf with the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. Hello, everybody. This is Kathy Grace with Kenya Wolf, and we're here with another episode of Ed's Up. We are so pleased today to have a very talented author, illustrator, that's going to spend some time with us talking about his books and particularly one story that is very worthwhile in retelling. And we hope that other people who have not heard of this particular story will latch on to this book uh, because it's one of many that our author re- illustrator has done. So I'm happy to welcome Duncan Tanya too with us today. And so Kenya Wolf is going to start off with questioning, and Duncan, we're so glad to have you today. Yes, welcome. So we're just so curious. In your book, Separate is Never Equal, it tells the story of the Mendez family who fought to end segregation in California schools long before the Brown versus Board of Education case. Um, This is such a compelling story. What brought it to your attention and how did you learn about this family and why did you decide to write about it? Thank you. Thank you for, for having me and, and, and thank you for the question. Yeah, so well, I first heard about um, the story of the Mendez family and the other, the other Latino families that, that joined this case from my editor. I had made a couple picture books. Separate is Never Equal is the fourth um, picture book I made. I've now made 14 books, worked on 14 books. Uh, but, um, but so my editor knew that one of my interests was, um, you know, social justice, Latino history. And he had, um, he had edited a different book that was about Brown versus Board of Education with a different author. And in this book, the, the author mentioned very briefly the Mendes case. And so then that's how my editor, uh, learned about it. Um, a man named Howard Reeves at, at Abrams Books. And he said, oh, you know, I found out about this recently and it seems totally, you know, something that you would be interested in. And so I, you know, I researched it a little. I looked it up online and stuff. And I thought I that was the first time I heard about it. This is sometime in like 2012 or so. And I immediately thought that it was an important story and I wanted to to do a book about it. I thought it'd be great to do to do a picture book about it. So, you know, I researched it more. I found different um, articles, different books. There's a documentary called For All the Children by Sandra Robbie that's really great where, where they interview Silvia Mendes and, and other people that were involved in the case. And so I started, you know, putting this manuscript together, uh, working on the book. And then I was invited to go to the uh, Texas Book Festival. And while I was there, Silvia Mendes was there. And I had a chance to actually hear her speak, to hear, to ask her questions. Uh, and so it worked out very organically, you know, that I was very interested in, in, in this story. And then um, I happened to to have a chance to to meet her at this book festival because there's another book. Uh, she was there also because there's a book called Silvia Naki that I'm not sure if you're familiar with. It's more like a middle grade novel. And and that's one of the reasons why she was there. But I didn't even know about that book. But um, but so I got a chance to meet Silvia and I um, and she said, you know, I told her I wanted to make a picture book. And she said, you know, if you make a, if you make this this picture book, make sure I'm wearing trenzas, make sure I'm wearing braids, because when I was a, a younger, I would always wear braids. And so that's how that's how that came about. And, you know, I wanted to make the book because I just thought it was an important piece of American history that not a lot of people know about. I didn't know about it till 
till very recently before I made the book. And I just thought that more people should know about it. And the story happened before Brown versus Board of Education, which is a very well-known case that helped desegregate schools across all of the United States. Um, But the Mendes case is very connected to the Brown case. Uh, Some of the people that were actually involved in the Mendes case were later, later involved in the Brown case. The Mendez family and the other families involved in this case that happened in, in Southern California, you know, there, there were, for those of you that know those, no, don't know the story, maybe I should just mention very briefly what it's about. You know, it's this, um, this Latino family. The father was, uh, Mexican, but he had become a U.S. citizen. The mother was from Puerto Rico and they had some, um, three kids and they moved to this town in Westminster in Southern California. Uh, but when they moved there and they tried to enroll at the public school, they told them that they couldn't go there. They couldn't go to the Westminster School. They had to attend the, the school on Olive Street that everyone called the Mexican school. And there were these segregated schools. And there was very, they're very common throughout in parts of California, Arizona, Texas, throughout the Southwest. But this family, the Mendez family, didn't think that this was fair. And eventually they filed this lawsuit. They got other families involved from, from the different cities and towns in Orange County. And they won this case. After they won it, the case was actually went to the, um, to the appeals court in California. And there were different groups like the, um, the, like LULAC, the League of United Latin American Citizens, the AA, uh, NAACP, uh, different groups that would send these friend of the court briefs that would send these letters saying why the Mendez family, uh, should win. And for example, one of the, uh, one of the persons that sent one of these letters, um, was, uh, Thurgood Marshall, who later became the lawyer in the Brown case. And one of the judges, I know the governor of California after the, so the Mendez family won the, this appeals, this appeal case. And soon after, soon after the governor of California, a man named Earl Warren said that children in California, he signed this law should be allowed to go to school together, regardless of race, of, of, of where they're from, of language. And later on, uh, Earl Warren became a Supreme Court justice. So the case is definitely very connected to to the Brown case, but the Mendes case is not is not very well known, even though it's it, it paved the way, so to speak, for for this other case for the for the desegregation of schools across the United States. I'm glad that you gave a thumbnail sketch of this because it's so interesting that you mentioned some very prominent players in the Brown case that I guess you could say started out with the Mendes case as far as their in, interest in their uh, participation. I have to ask, did you have braids when you with your book? Does she have braids? Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. She's wearing trenzas. I, I thought so, but I wanted the, the audience to hear. Today, even though you're talking about something that happened decades ago uh, with this story, why do you think that it's so important for children today to learn about this story, given the times in which we live right now? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question, and and yeah, there were two main reasons why why I wanted to to make the book. The first is the one that that we sort of addressed, you know, that it, I think it's an important piece of American history that not a lot of people know about. But the other one is that I think it's very relevant to to kids nowadays um, because there is a lot of division in schools nowadays. You know, it's not the same kind of segregation that existed in the forties. You know, when um, when children, you know, like a child cannot go to a public school in the U.S. and they say, oh, you cannot come to this school. You have to go to the Mexican school. You have to go to the black school. 
But the 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 truth of the matter is that schools are public schools are very divided, and uh, schools with more funds tend to be predominantly Anglo or white, and schools with you know with less funds, where where the majority of students live in poverty, tend to be uh, predominantly African American and and Latino. So I think that there's a lot of um, it's a very different situation, but I think there's a lot of parallels to schools nowadays and 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 schools back then. And that was a, a reason that I thought that kids would um would connect with the story. You know, I've had the opportunity of of sharing this story with with kids to of visiting schools and 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 showing the book to them, reading it to them, talking about it with them. And one the the reaction that I always get from children is that they immediately see the injustice in the story, you know. They immediately say, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not that how people should be treated. You know, kids should be allowed to, to go to school together. So that's another reason why I thought it'd be a book that would interest kids nowadays, because kids very much care about what's fair, what's, um, what's right. You know, when I was making the book, one of my worries was that maybe it would be too, too boring, sort of speak, you know, or that, you know, because there's a lot of dates in the book, there's, you know, different judicial concepts, different names. I was trying to balance with hopefully making it an appealing story to young readers, because it's a book for, for young readers, but also trying to convey all the different information, you know, trying to make sure that I included all that important information in the book. Uh, but the response has always been, you know, kids can immediately connect to a story because it, it takes place in a school setting and because they care very much about what's fair and, and what's not fair. And they see the the injustice in the story. I'm curious about the book's title. Separate is never equal. Why did this surface as the title? And can you kind of explain how that came about? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's a, that's a great question too. You know, the title is often the last thing I write in a book. You know, I have a working title or, but you know, at the end you try and come up with a something that, that it gives a good idea of what the story is about, but also that hopefully kind of grabs readers' attention. Attention, And so the, the title for the book is related, you know, there's a different case that happened before, much long, you know, at the end of the, like in the 1890s of Plessy versus Ferguson, which kind of upheld this separate but equal doctrine, you know, that you could have separate trains for people as long as they were equal, you know? Uh, and so it was this whole Jim Crow, basically, you know, that it was this idea separating people. It, it, it's never equal, you know, it, like the, it, it's just inherently, it, it's just not um, intrinsically, I guess, by separating people, you're making one group feel superior, one group feel inferior. So I, the Mendes case did not overturn that decision, um, but I thought it made clear that, that it's important for children to go to school together, you know, that this whole idea of, of that you can have separate but equal facilities was just, it's just not right. It's just not true. So um, that's where kind of my thinking that that led me to that, um, to that title. I'm going to ask a question a little more, I say personal, maybe uh, about your decisions that you've made along the way, because I know you're a graduate of uh, Parsons School of Design. And you attended school in New York and uh, you're obviously a very talented artist and your your work reflects that in the illustrations you do. And you have a theme that's throughout your work. What led you to make a decision about the 
path your your life has taken in terms of a writer slash illustrator when you could have I mean maybe you do have lots of other interests that are more on an artistic vein as far as your painting or your your drawing thank you yeah I mean I always um I've been interested in both writing and drawing since I was a kid, you know, when I was a kid, I really liked reading. Um, and because I like reading, I thought to myself, maybe I could be a writer one day, you know, and that's something that I first thought when I was in elementary school and it sort of, it just kind of stuck with me. And, and in high school, I went to very arts oriented high school and I took different writing classes in college. I took, I did a lot of writing too. So it's something, it's an interest that I was always passionate about since I was a kid. And same thing with drawing, you know, as a kid, I loved comic books, uh, manga, you know, anime, the, the Japanese cartoons with the big eyes, and I would make on my own drawings. Um, as the years went on, my different interests changed, evolved, but I was always interested in drawing and, and making and being a visual artist, too. And so by the time I was a teenager, I was very confident that I that I wanted to um, to do something in the arts. But uh, I always thought I was going to do something for adults, you know, uh, maybe write for a newspaper or, uh, you know, paint paintings that would hang in galleries. Um, I didn't really consider doing books for for young readers till I had almost graduated from college. And what happened is that I I grew up in Mexico. I was born in Mexico, grew up in Mexico, but I'm both Mexican and American and I have family in, in both Mexico and the U.S. And I ended up going to to the to Massachusetts for high school and later on to New York City for college. But after I, as I spent more time in the US, I began to miss things that were around me growing up. You know, the the food, the music, different traditions. And I really became interested in the art of Mexico and the culture of Mexico and in issues that affect people of Mexican origin, especially because they're such a large Mexican and Mexican-American community in the United States. And so in my university, Whenever I had assignments, if I was able to, I would connect them to that. I would connect them to my background, you know. In my last year at my university, I had to have a senior project. And I wasn't quite sure what to do. I wanted to do something with writing, something with drawing. And I ended up making this kind of comic book um, about a friend of mine named Sergio, who I met at this worker center. And Sergio is from Mexico, but he's uh, Mixtec. And Mixtec is an indigenous group from, from southern Mexico. Uh, and there's a large Mixtec community in, in New York and in other parts in the U.S. that have migrated, um, you know, from Mexico to, to the U.S. Um, and so when I met him, I was really, you know, struck by his story of coming from this small village. And now he was in this large city in the United States, but he still spoke his Mixtec dialect with these guys that he worked at this restaurant. And so I thought of making a, a story about that. And when I did, one of the first things that I did was look up Mishtek artwork. There's mm -hmm. modern day Mishteks um, today, but the Mishteks were also a civilization like the Mayas, like the Aztecs, and they made books. And they had this very unique way of drawing and painting where their characters are always in profile, their ears, their hands are very stylized. And so for this project that I did about this friend, I decided to do it in that style. And so that's how I came up with my uh, illustration style. And um, and for listeners, if, if you have a chance to look at the book, you'll see that my illustrations have this very kind of unique style. You know, everyone's always in profile like that. Their ears look a little bit like number threes. Their hand, their like nails are very round, very white. Um, and so that comes from looking at these drawings that people made hundreds of years ago. 
And so I came up with this, this project at my university and a professor at, at my university really liked it. And, and she had illustrated some, some children's books and she showed it to this editor that, um, that she had worked with and, and she was friends with. And he really liked my illustrations. You know, he said, you know, this book that you're doing is more for like older readers. I do books for kids, but if you, if you make a, um, if we receive a manuscript, you know, if you, if you've looked at picture books, you'll notice that usually one person writes it and a different person illustrate it. You know, if we, if we receive a manuscript that we think would pair well, would work well with your illustrations, you know, I'll, I'll give you a call. And I said, that'd be wonderful, but I love writing too. You know, I, maybe I could write the story. And so then he told me some very basic things about picture books. He said, okay, yeah, we can try that. You know, picture books are usually 32 pages long. You want to make sure there's a title page or make sure there's a copyright page. My suggestion to you is to make your main character, maybe a, a young person, an animal, someone that young readers can relate to. And if you write something, you know, here's my email, here's my phone number, you know, here's my card, you can send it to me. And so sometime later, while I was still in college, finishing my, my senior project, I had this idea for these two cousins uh, one that lives in a rural community in Mexico, one that lives in an urban center in the U.S., and they send letters back and forth to each other about their their everyday lives. And I sent it to this editor, and I'd never written a book for for young readers, a picture book. So I thought, well, you know, kids love Dr. Seuss. I should make a rhyme like Dr. Seuss. So I wrote the story. You know, I typed it. I emailed it to to this editor. And um, and some days later, or weeks later, he got back to me and he said, you know, I received your manuscript. I think your idea of the two cousins is very good. I think you would do a good job illustrating it. You know, I really like your your illustrations, but no rhyming, please. Your rhymings are not your rhymes are not very good. Uh, and uh, and they weren't. Um, but you know, I tried. You know, I revised the story. I got rid of the rhymes, and I sent again, and we sent it back and forth several times, and eventually it became my my first published uh, children's book. And I've worked with this editor with Howard on more than ten books now, or, or on about ten books now. Um, and it sort of opened this world of making books for for children of, of young readers to me, which was has been wonderful because, you know, I've loved drawing and illustrating since I was a kid. And I get to write about things that I find important, that I care about, about issues that, that are important to me and, and, and share with uh, with young readers. Um, so it's been um, it's just been like I can't imagine doing doing anything else. And I'm, and I'm so glad that I kind of. I ended up in this path because it's it's a wonderful path and it's a wonderful community. I think that, you know, the children's book authors and illustrators are very supportive of one another. Um, and so I'm very happy to to be doing what I do. Well, we're very happy that you decided to do what you do because you've been able to tell some stories and uh, of all different types. And you've been able to make history come alive for a lot of children. And uh, that's the I think the, the greatest gift you can give is to make sure we don't forget. And uh, so you've certainly been very successful with that. And you have, as you mentioned, several books. Uh, and this is just one that we've been talking with you about today. So I encourage all of our listeners to go. I, I know your books are on Amazon and in other places where you can uh, purchase them online if, if you'd like. But uh, I just want to thank you so much for your time today. And uh, can you have any closing words for us? Well, I just want to encourage the listeners to check out uh, in our notes. We'll have a link to uh, the children's book. And I'm always thrilled to see children's books being written about social justice. 
and also showing all kinds of different representations. So it was so interesting to hear from your, our talented author today. Thank you. If there's any um, if there's any young listeners out there, you know, and you're interested in in becoming an, an author, my my best advice to you would be to read a lot. Um, you know, if you read a lot, then you start noticing what other authors um, do in their writing, you know, what techniques they use, what tools they use, and then you can use those tools in your own writing. Uh, so that would be my my best advice if you want to be a writer. And if you're interested in being a visual artist, I would say that there's not one correct way of drawing, you know, there's people that are very good at making realistic drawings, you know, but there's other tools and techniques also, you know, there's people that make art with a camera, there's people that make art with a computer, there's people that use paint, you know, there's different materials, different styles. And so I'd encourage you to, to try different techniques out. And, and for readers to, to read, uh, you know, I think you, you were mentioning this, you know, just the importance of having diversity in literature, you know, and, and representation. And, you know, I think it's very important for children's to, children to see themselves in, in the books they read and, and to learn about other cultures and, and people that are, that are different than them. I think that can have a, a very positive impact and just, um, having more, understanding uh, between each other. So I, I encourage you to to read lots of different books. Well, again, thank you so much. And this is Kathy Grace and Kenya Wolf. We just thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining us today for Ed's Up. If you have an early education topic you'd like to discuss, let us know about it at edsup at olemiss.edu. The Ed's Up podcast is a production of the Graduate Center for the Study of Early Learning at the University of Mississippi. The views and opinions of podcast participants are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the university, its employees, or any affiliated entity.